It's the final of the eight Beatitudes we're considering today. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But let's read again from verse 1. If you've got your, your Bibles there, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And we'll read from verse 1 down to verse 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Our topic is persecution. I think you would be with me on this that we feel somewhat unqualified to, to speak from any experience uh, about this. But the challenge of God's word stands nonetheless. And maybe if we haven't gone through the sort of persecution that might immediately come to mind for many brothers and sisters in Christ across the world, and we've not faced anything close to that, there has I'm sure in each of our experience being something of what the Lord described as insult that has come our way. So there is a challenge for us always in what the Lord says, even though we feel we've not experienced it. But maybe as Western society continues on its downward trajectory, we're going to face it more and more. And let's be ready for that and stand for the Lord in all things. This persecution that the Lord refers to at the end of this uh, list of eight uh, Beatitudes, it's there because it comes as a consequence of living the life that is described in the previous seven. Those beautiful attitudes that were there described in the previous seven, then the Lord says are going to result in persecution and blessed are those who are persecuted. And he goes on, and when he speaks to the disciples directly in verses 11 and 12, he speaks of insult and persecution, of false accusation and of evil things being done against them. And the same thing comes to us. I do want us to notice something that, that is important, and it's a little thing to do with the Greek tense here in verse 10. It doesn't come across in the NIV, but it, the verb that's used here is... A perfect tense verb, which means it's something that has already occurred. So the New American Standard, when it translates verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It does sit in contrast to the other verbs that are present tense verbs that are earlier mentioned, like hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That is a present thing that's ongoing. But I do think it's an important little point here. Now, when we look at that, we see the Lord was referring to something 
that has already happened. And he's pointing us, along with the disciples who were listening, to persecution that has already happened. And the blessing and the happiness that comes to those who face that persecution when they stand for God's truth and righteousness in this world. That theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And as was mentioned uh, a few weeks back, you notice that there's that mention of the kingdom of heaven there at the end of verse 10 and also at the, at the end of verse 3. Almost like bookends of the, the set of eight, beatitudes as they're known. So people who are living for the kingdom of heaven here and now and are living out those attitudes and that are described in the first seven and people before the Lord, they have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A place in God's kingdom has been there before and it is after the Lord Jesus. I think there's a continuity here we need to see that the same sort of life that was lived by a few of God's people in the history that is recorded for us in the Old Testament, that same sort of life is to be lived by us who have been brought into the new life through faith in Christ Jesus. An adherence and a commitment and a devotion to God's things. There's a continuity from those who've gone before to us today that's why at the end of verse 12 that we've read together the lord says in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you living for god in any era and we see this from the beginning of the scriptures to the end of the scriptures and we see it and we can anticipate it for the rest of life in this world as it is until the lord returns and begins those end times when things will be brought to a glorious conclusion in the new heavens and the new earth we can see that there's going to be insult there is going to be persecution there is going to be false accusation and evil things done against those who stand with the lord jesus and stand for his righteousness and live according to the kingdom of heaven standards rather than the standards of this world. It is inevitably going to mean that there is going to be something that comes against those who stand for that truth. We see it in the Old Testament. I'm doing my through the Bible plan again. And I am struck year after year by how the Old Testament is so sad. It, it's a darkness that is a, a repetition page after page so often of the awfulness of sin and that even seen in the people of Israel God's people who really should have known better if we can say that but we have to be careful about casting judgment on on others but against that black backdrop there keep coming these promises of a glorious savior and messiah who's coming and it's against that backdrop that that is said it is a reminder to us that humanity so sinful and society so sinful but yet Christ stands as a bright shining light in it in the days before he came it says the prophets were looking forward to him coming and in the years after his coming we look back to him 
the risen Savior and the one who said, I am the light of the world who has come and has brought us into his life. You'll notice when you do read the Old Testament and you go through it sequentially and so on, that there was a minority. There was a minority who honoured God and lived their lives trusting in him above all else. And doing what he commanded was to be done in the law. They trusted God first and then lived according to the directions that he gave. And it was a minority. And that minority often knew they were a minority. Let's never come to the Old Testament and think, that the whole of the people of Israel, apart from a very, very few years, it would seem, when there was revival amongst them, it was often just a small little group. Let's not come and think that the whole of the people of Israel that God had redeemed for himself back then were a, a holy and a wonderful people. They were not. There was this minority who had this conviction that there was no other option but to live God's way and only his way, and that resulted in insult and in persecution, and in false accusations against them, and in evil things being done against them. That's the story we see in the Old Testament. Elijah considered he was alone. David, through his Psalms, often felt he was alone and under attack from those who were against God's things. And he's talking about people who were in the nation of Israel. Jeremiah, such a hard prophet to read through almost a lone voice in a really dark and unrepentant and rebellious society Isaiah who makes reference of a, of a small group of people who were with him and he knew that he was living among a people of unclean lips he knew he was of the same stuff but he had known the grace of God in his experience and then to stand for the truth of God in that was hard. And we read repeatedly what the prophets and others endured. This minority of people who lived for God. So in verse 10 here the Lord says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Or who have been persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of God. So those who have lived this way and those who do live this way. Standing for the truth of God and the righteousness of God theirs is the kingdom of heaven the law of God is written on the hearts today on the basis of what the prophet said on behalf of the Lord as he spoke to them the law of the Lord is written on the hearts of those who know the Lord Jesus as their saviour the spirit of God has come to be with us in a sense we, we have a greater blessing than those who lived before Christ and who were anticipating the great Messiah who was going to come. Not fully understanding, Peter tells us this in his letters, not fully understanding what the Messiah was going to come and do and, and why their prophecy spoke of suffering, the suffering Messiah. They couldn't get that one worked out in their minds. But we live the other side of the cross and have seen the suffering Messiah, the one who suffered for sin. And for sinners, the one who was died and was buried and has been raised again. And by faith in him, by the working of God, the law of God is written on our hearts. A new heart is given to us. And we have this capacity then to live the way that the Lord has described here for those who are in the kingdom of heaven. Living, just as a summary, with a poverty of spirit before God that recognises that we have all things in Christ and therefore do not need to pursue 
with things of wealth and status in this world. That we mourn over the continuing sin that is part of our experience still. And also we mourn over the increasing sin and decline of society around us. Living a life of godly humility in a world that's full of evil. Selfish individualism that pursues personal gain at all costs. A hungering and thirsting after righteousness in a world that's the complete opposite. Be merciful to fellow sinners when retribution so often is the norm today. Pursuing and maintaining a life of purity with God when the unholiness of sin just bombards us constantly, every direction, every day. And then, as was considered last week, actively living at peace with other people and wanting there to be peace between people when hatred is often the default position. How is it possible to live contrary to the world if it was not for the work of God in the life of someone to give them a new heart with new affections for God's things and that we will then say we will stand for this truth that has been revealed to us in Christ Jesus And like that minority in the Old Testament who stood for that same truth, absolutely convicted about who God was and what God was doing and what God had promised he would fulfill, they would not cave. And we will not either in the face of a world that is so against these things. Whose righteousness is the Lord referring to? Persecuted because of righteousness or for righteousness's sake, as it might be translated. It's not a standard of righteousness that the world considers to be right according to its morality. There still is a remnant of morality that exists in every person made in the image of God. But it is so ruined in the conscience of people that it cannot be the basis for which we measure what is right and wrong. We have to come to the scriptures for the righteousness of God. I think without doubt we could agree with everyone that this world is a broken place. And that leads you into discussion, well, what are the causes for that? And there's a myriad of causes and finger pointing and so on as to why the world is the mess it is. And there are people who will do their best to do what is good. And there is goodness that is done by so many in the hope that this society and so on would be transformed. But... It's so misguided if it's only from the basis of what is good and right according to the human standards which just seem to fluctuate from from year to year these days. There's a starting point of rightness or righteousness that is required for each person and that is to obey the command of God that they be saved. I was reading Acts 17 recently where Paul in his address to the Areopagus in, uh, in Athens says God now commands all people everywhere to repent. It's a command of God that people see their sinfulness and acknowledge their sinfulness and the consequences of their sinfulness will be the wrath of God against them for eternity and to repent of that and then to have faith in the Lord Jesus, the saviour that God has provided. It's only That faith 
and that new life that is given by God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that can ever really mean that a life is lived according to the righteousness that will mean something, not just in this life, but in the life to come. People working out their goodness in the hope that this world will improve, the Lord has told us that it's not going to. There will be a day, though, when the Lord has returned and the beginning of that process that is described when there will be the new heavens and the new earth. We can't improve society. It's on a downward trajectory. But we live in it, as Paul says in Philippians, and we shine in it as, as lights in this world, as we stand for the truth of God, in the hope that some will be convicted of their sin by the work of the Spirit, and they run to the Saviour that God has provided, the Lord Jesus Christ. And some stand with us as we stand for the goodness of God and the righteousness of God. Abraham believed God, Paul and James write, as they quote Genesis 15 and 16, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's the beginning of righteousness. The righteousness of God is to obey him. And the command to repent of our sin and to trust in the Saviour he has provided is the beginning of that righteousness. And then to see the truth of God that he's given us in his word and helped by the Spirit to live according to that righteousness then is going to mean that we're going to face persecution. Because God has saved us that we might be conformed to the image of his Son, Romans 8, verse 29. And if we're going to become more like Jesus progressively in this life, it means that we are going to face insult and persecution and false accusation and evil things being done against us. Paul said in his second letter to Timothy in verse 3, verse 12, he said, chapter 3, verse 12, he said, Indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Those who want to live in a godly way. There's, there's an option there, isn't there? We can choose just to live in Christ Jesus and keep our heads down and just enjoy the salvation that God has given us and not stand for truth when the moment comes, but to live a godly way, which is a natural expression of the new life, of a new birth that develops to be like Christ, means we will live a godly way. And Paul says, in his context, but it is repeated down the years, we'll face persecution. The Lord said to his disciples with him that night in the the upper room in John 15 verse 20 said if they persecute me they're going to persecute you also if you're my follower the Lord says you're going to face it and the Lord says here happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake as a believer in the Lord Jesus there's a new sensitivity to sin that comes into our world into our world into our life and we recognize that to walk with Christ means to walk out of step with the word doesn't it and we thank the Lord that he's given us his word to keep us on the right path the narrow path that the Lord spoke of that was hard to find and, and is a hard one to follow Psalm 119 105 favorite verse for many of us that your word is a light to our path and a lamp for our feet Thank the Lord that he's given us his word to guide us in his ways, in his righteousness. What's the point of being persecuted for a righteousness that can be changed to not be righteousness 
next week because it's a righteousness according to the decisions of the morality of the world around us. But the righteousness of God, which is unchanging, if we stand for that, then we will face persecution. I'm, I'm really chastened by the little song that I think Paul quotes uh, in Second Timothy chapter 2. I think he's quoting a little song that was sung amongst the, the early Christians, part of which says, if we deny him, he will deny us. A little song which spoke of a victorious life of living with the Saviour. But yet if we deny him, he will deny us. Don't have time to pursue that one any further than just to say it. That's a really concerning one, isn't it? That the Lord has called us to himself that then we might stand for the righteousness of God. His righteousness in this world. So that we might shine. And others would be brought to the Lord. Paul in Philippians 3 verse 10. His desire he said. My desire is that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. Paul knew that to pursue a life of discipleship. And to come into ever increasing knowledge of who Christ is. Would mean association with the sufferings of Christ. The insults. The false accusations, the evil being done to us, the persecution that comes. The blessed are those who experience that because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want us to move on to verses 11 and 12. You'll notice that in the Beatitudes up to this point, the Lord has been speaking in the third person, referring to those or them or they. And here, In verse 11, it's almost as if he turns to his disciples that are mentioned to us in verse 2. And he turns to them and he makes it personal. It always has to become personal. The second person refers to them as you. The gospel and all of its implications must become personal. There's There's a basic fundamental here. A place in God's kingdom is a working of God in the heart of someone who recognises their sin and repents of that and puts their faith and their trust in the Saviour who has died for them and who lives for them. That has to become personal. It's not just a, a knowledge thing. It has to be experienced and believed by faith, received by faith, the gift of God and the life that he gives. It must become personal. And here the Lord makes this personal for his disciples and says, look, if you're living this sort of life, in the kingdom of heaven and you will live this life because it's natural because you're born again and you'll grow up to be like me so you will live this way because I've lived this way this is the start of the Lord's ministry and they were going to experience with him the increasing um, opposition to his teachings and his lifestyle he says you're going to face it too you're going to face it notice what the Lord says In verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now we could take that phrase because of me and put it alongside um, the persecuted because of righteousness in verse 10. Almost like synonyms. It's the Lord um, developing it further. It's only just to reinforce the point that the righteousness that the Lord was referring to in verse 10 in the final of the eight Beatitudes, that righteousness is fully seen. In him. And in his life that he has lived here. 
for us. Again, John 15, 20, if they persecute me, the Lord says to them, on the, the night before he's crucified, they will persecute you as well. The Lord doesn't hold back. And he certainly doesn't say that the Christian life is an easy one. He tells his disciples here at the beginning and just before he goes to the cross and he also says in this world you'll have tribulation and so on. He lays it out. He lays it out to us thinking people to realise that there is a cost associated with standing for the righteousness that is the righteousness of Christ in this world and not wavering from that. But Paul says as he in 2 Corinthians feels it's necessary to describe some of his sufferings to the people in that church who have some issue with him and so on. He says, our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. The Lord's already said, those blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Paul, when he picks up on that hope in his new life, he recognises that whatever might come at him for standing for the truth and the righteousness of Christ is nothing in comparison for what is to follow. So we live for God, standing for the truth in the hope that others will be jolted from their sinful blindness and come to see that there is a righteousness that transcends the righteousness of society. And then they will recognise their need of a saviour because it does become personal. And that gives us the opportunity, does it not, to speak of the Saviour that has been given for us. So living for Christ in an evil world is not an easy thing. And the Lord doesn't hold back on telling us that. My concern for my own life, and I'm sure you share it too, is because we've come through a number of centuries in the Western world where Christian uh, ethos, if we can say that, was the basis of much of society and law, but that is quickly getting eroded. We've had it easy for a while. It's getting more difficult, isn't it? Standing up for the righteousness of God, anticipating the fullness of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God that is coming. We will face insult, persecution, evil things being done against us. What about standing up and saying in the face of so much that comes at us that monogamous heterosexual marriage is God's ordinance to be honoured by all and any deviation from it is not right and damages the very fabric of society and the people in it. In the face of the gay pride celebrations that are going on in Manchester just now. What, what do we say to people? Do we, do we stand with, with God and his righteousness and, and say with love that homosexuality is a perversion? But yet love the people in the hope that they will come to know the saviour. That so-called same-sex marriage is not marriage at all. That God has made humanity male and female. That's a binary. And that any denial of this reality is a rejection of God's purpose and plan for humanity. Remember, when the Lord was quizzed on divorce, he went right back to that. Genesis chapters 1, 2 and 3. 
We need to stand because this is the force of stuff that is coming at us today. And I don't know about you, but there is the tendency, is there not, to just drop the head down and not say anything in the face of this tidal wave of a change in society because we don't want to lose any face or maybe if we're liked we'll have more of an opportunity to stand for truth if we don't stand for truth at the beginning we're not standing for it later I don't think sorry to go on about this but I, I was interested just quickly to, to tap on to something about the, the gay pride march that happened yesterday and they describe it themselves as a party as a protest party as a protest why is it a protest? It's a continuing protest because it's against the basic morality and understanding that humanity has. It is a continuing protest. They even recognize it themselves. It's a constant fight to make their way of thinking acceptable in society. I'm not sure this is going to pass the, the SoundCloud um, uh, monitors here, but we need to say this. We don't condone it, but we love the people. And we stand for truth, whatever it might cost. It'll be called hate speech. We might be forced to lose our jobs. I remember once, in, in my experience, when having done a, a meeting with a customer after some difficulties, and the chairman of the company was with me, and I... I I was very honest with the customer about our failings. Afterwards, the guy in the car, he slapped me on the arm as I was driving and said, you Protestant Christians are too honest. You need to learn to lie more. And he was coming from some sort of Catholic background as if that made any difference. But, it didn't. but that, that turned into a very difficult period when I said, no, we stand for truth. Now, that was a different sort of thing, but... Standing for truth in a world where nobody knows what truth is, but we do, is going to mean that we will face insult. It also comes in conversations with people when materialism and the pursuit of wealth and comfort and leisure are the basis of life to the full. No, it's not. And to say that Jesus is the only saviour, he is. But that's unacceptable in today's world. So if we're going to stand for truth and we're going to stand because of righteousness and we know the righteousness of God and we know that the righteousness of God has come to us and has transformed us so that we might live that righteousness out and speak of that righteousness, we'll be blessed. For ours is the kingdom of heaven. City of Light, one of their songs, they say this, Minor days here as a stranger. Pilgrim on a narrow way, one with Christ I will encounter harm and hatred for his name. But mine is armour for this battle, strong enough to last the war, and he has said he will deliver safely to the golden shore. Go away and read Ephesians 6, the armour that God provides for us to stand in this fight. And not only to stand, but also the weapons that he has given us with which to make the fight with prayer and the word of God. And let's not forget our brothers and sisters in Christ who do face a persecution that is life-threatening moment after moment. Remember when 
the Lord appeared to Saul on the Damascus road. Pushed him down and his face in the dust off his horse. The arrogant man who was going after Christians was humbled before the Lord. And the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Anything that we would face, the Lord feels it and knows it. And he's already faced it. And it took him all the way to the cross. And the Lord says, we're to take up our cross daily and follow him. Blessed are those who are persecuted and have been persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Let's pray.